Zoom is laying off over a thousand staff. Moody's downgrades Egypt's credit rating. This and more in this episode. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse and everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. Your main story is brought to you by INM Bank PLC, INM Bank Rwanda. We are on your side. The second Africa Food Summit in Dakar, Senegal, ended with development partners agreeing to commit. $30 billion to back the continent's resolve to boost agricultural productivity and become a breadbasket for the world. Among the development partners are the Africa Development Bank, which plans to contribute $10 billion over five years, and the Islamic Development Bank, which intends to provide $5 billion. A cold doc, analyst and managing partner at Oras Consult joins us to answer the billion-dollar question. Will this money reach the actual farmer on the continent? What does the $30 billion investment mean for the African agriculture sector? What does the $30 billion investment mean for African agriculture sector? Uh, the, the different stakeholders and uh, governments and developmental partners have introduced uh, a commitment to invest $30 billion United States dollars in the African agriculture sector. What this means is that it means increased investments in the agricultural value chain. And it means that there's going to be support that's going to come to governments private sector and organizations to increase agricultural output. And it will mean that African farmers and traders will have access to finance, capital, investment, and loans to farm produce and increase their yields and also enhance and optimize some of their agricultural produce. So what does this mean? It's a positive step. And it means that it's a positive step towards development and it's a positive step towards ensuring food security in Africa. Will this money reach farmers and have an impact? Well, I think this money will reach farmers. Not all the money will go direct to the farmers because based on the agreement and based on the conversation that took place at the conference, they want this money to be invested in the value chain. They want to invest in, in agriculture, uh, but also in electricity, in infrastructure, in technology, and equipment to enhance the agriculture sector and enhance the agriculture value chain. Because not all this money, cash, will go to farmers. Because what farmers need directly is they'll need fuel, fertilizers, seeds, pumps, and agriculture equipment. And most of this money will go to supporting other things that farmers need, such as a lot of farmers have agriculture and they have uh, products, but they don't have markets. So if there's an investment in agriculture and there's investment in infrastructure, people are going to have access to markets and that's what they need. A lot of farmers have uh, agriculture produce, but they don't have electricity to protect some of their uh, investments. Electricity can help enhance the value chain. So this money will not go directly to farmers, but it'll go indirectly to different sectors that support the agriculture sector. And this is also needed. What are the challenges facing the African agriculture sector? Well, the challenges can be broken down into two. There's internal challenges. And the internal challenges are institutional voids, which we have to talk about, such as insecurity and governance. Uh, a lot of uh, countries in Africa have conflicts and areas that have been uh, breadbaskets are not farming due to conflict. People are fleeing these areas and are not cultivating, resulting in uh, lack of produce and reliance on importation of goods. And that's one of them. Another thing is the lack of access to markets. A lot of people in Africa, a lot of farmers have the land, the arable land and the potential to farm, but they don't know if they're going to have markets. Uh, they don't know is where's my uh, sorghum going to be sold? Where's my maize going to be sold? Is there a market? And so what's the incentive for me to farm? If I know that I'm going to farm and I have a lot of produce and there's no market and there's no facilities. So that's one of the challenge and then land road and networks 
And then the external things are just that Africa relies on food imports. The food importation business in Africa is big and it accounts for almost $75 billion. And they import over 100 million metric tons of food. And a lot of countries are benefiting from exporting food to Africa. And so this is going to be a challenge. How do you address this? Because it's a business opportunity that many countries have capitalized on. So now when Africa becomes dependent, it's taking business from all these other countries. So that's going to be a challenge that they're going to have to address. How has climate change affected African agriculture? Well, climate change has really changed the game for a lot of African farmers and African uh, uh, tra- traders. Number one is the droughts and the rainfalls. And so the, 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 the changes in the droughts and the changes in the rainfall has affected some of these subsistence farmers who use traditional methods that rely on rain patterns and rely on traditional methods of the rain. And some of these rains have changed. They're delaying by the weeks, by the months. And these farmers lack access to technology. They lack access to resources to help them understand how they can prepare themselves. So I think this is something that should be considered, investing in research. And from that $30 billion, money should be invested in research on how to combat uh, climate change from an agriculture point of view, how to ensure that crops are producing, how to ensure that certain uh, people are supported and are given the necessary information and resources to understand how to ensure that their yields are stable. How can infrastructure, electricity and water play a role in supporting the African agriculture sector? I think the biggest thing is that we have to look at there's other industries outside of uh, agriculture that support agriculture. And what we mean by that is that agriculture is just the the, the process of farming and cultivating crops. But once you farm and cultivate these crops, you need markets, you need uh, uh, access to roads, you need storage facilities, uh, you need uh, vehicles. There's a wide range of things that are in this, the value chain. That's why we say the agriculture value chain. Number one is infrastructure. Without road networks, without bridges, without river transportation, people cannot sell their produce to the market. People are just going to simply farm to feed themselves, their families, and their communities. And they're not going to farm a surplus. And these surpluses could be used to support other areas that don't have access to arable land. Electricity is important. A lot of people are in the agriculture sector, they're in the poultry sector. Electricity can help in, with storage facilities. It can help ensure that there's in, enhanced security. And this is important to ensuring safety and security of the farmers. And then, of course, water, access to water. Uh, technology comes, some areas have irritable land, but they lack water. So there's water distribution system, if there's pumps available, that this can play a positive role in ensuring that African farmers have the resources, the technical and the financial support to ensure that they're successful. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. Moody's Investor Services downgraded Egypt's credit rating from B2 to B3 on February 7th, pushing the North African country further into junk bond or non-investment grade territory. The ratings agency said the Egyptian economy is increasingly vulnerable to fragile global conditions as the government tries to shift to a more export-oriented growth model in which the private sector plays a far bigger role, backed by a flexible exchange rate regime. The administration of President Adel Fattah el-Sisi, who took power following a military coup in July 2013, agreed to a number of economic reforms and a $3 billion 46-month support package with the International Monetary Fund announced in December. Along with the flexible exchange rate, this involves reducing the role of the state in the economy. Moody's says such changes should help to attract capital inflows and reduce Egypt's vulnerabilities 
but it warned that these measures will ultimately take time. Egypt's liquid foreign exchange reserves have fallen to $26.7 billion by the end of December, down from $29.3 billion in April of 2022, according to Moody's, while the net foreign liabilities increased from $13 billion to $20 billion over the same period. Cairo also faces some large debt servicing requirements in the near future, with $20.4 billion due in fiscal year 2024 and $23.2 billion the following year. To help cover its liabilities, the government is planning to raise around $9 billion by selling state-owned assets and is also expected to raise about $5 billion from official lenders in addition to the $3 billion provided by the IMF. Zoom, the video conferencing company that became a household name when remote work spiked during the COVID pandemic, is laying off 1,300 staff. The move affects about 15% of its workforce, which has seen user growth slow and profits fall recently. Boss Eric Kwan said he and other leaders would also be taking big pay cuts as the company focuses on making sure it can weather the slowdown. It's joining a large number of other tech firms making similar adjustments. Amazon and Salesforce are among the other heavyweights to have announced big job cuts, saying the boom in business they saw during the pandemic was ending. More than 300 tech firms have laid off nearly 100,000 workers globally since the start of the year, according to layoffs.fyi, which tracks such announcements. Zoom especially has been facing challenges as rival tech firms upgrade their video offerings. There is a need to clamp down on the formula milk industry's marketing tactics, which are exploitative. This is according to a new three-pepper series published by The Lancelot. The pepper points out industry influence, which includes lobbying against vital breastfeeding support measures as one of the ways they are using to jeopardize health and rights of women and children. Professor Nigel Rollins, scientist at the World Health Organization and author of a paper on Formula Milk Marketing says the new research highlights the vast economic and political power of the big Formula Milk companies as well as serious public policy failures. Misleading marketing claims and strategic lobbying from the dairy and Formula Milk industries further add to challenges parents are already facing. The World Health Assembly developed an international code of marketing of breast milk substitutes in 1981 and several subsequent resolutions. However, Intensive marketing of infant formula continues largely unabated, with sales from these products now approaching $55 billion a year. The annual inflation rate in Mauritius is slightly to 11.8% in January of 2023 from a near 16-year high of 12.2% in the prior month. It's the lowest reading since last August amid softer rises in price of transportation, food and non-alcoholic beverages, restaurants and hotels, and alcoholic beverages and tobacco. Meanwhile, prices advanced further mostly for furnishings and household equipment and miscellaneous goods and services. On a monthly basis, consumer prices inched up 1.1%, the most in six months after a 0.2% increase in the prior month. Thank you for always waking up with us from over 700 cities and over 112 countries. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K-Financial. If you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K-Financial and you can find me at Withadon. Withadon.